Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 146. You know, normally I'll go into this point to thank our sponsors, to talk about uh, upcoming events, what's going on, but you know what? I'm going to bypass that this time because we're going to go straight to my guest. And for those of you who are longtime listeners, know that occasionally I'll have somebody come on and we'll talk about a learning principle. Sometimes we have somebody come on and talk about what they learned, but sometimes we come in and we just talk about, hey, here's some things that you can learn about what you should do. And that's what we've done today. My guest was just on the show recently. His name is Doug Morse. He has a uh, campaign that's, as of the time of recording, is currently on Kickstarter, but it's about to end. It's done uh, very well for his uh, over his goal. And we're going to talk about some of the things that he learned and that he's applied that I think that you as the listener are going to find incredibly useful. So what I've done is just invited Doug back so that we can just sit and talk about some of these principles. Doug, thank you for joining me on the show. Yeah, thank you, Richard. Okay, so we're going to talk about, um, first of all, just let's introduce the listeners once again, because uh, many of them are repeat listeners, your project, and uh, just kind of give them some background on what that is. Sure, it's called Adventures on the Tabletop. Um, information about it is at tabletopmovie.com, and it's a movie about game design and game designers, and it's tracing sort of the the game, the tabletop game, from inspiration through prototype into development at the publishers and all the way through publication. Okay. And so that's it. It's a, it's a basically a documentary. It is a documentary. I make it sound simple, but it's going to be – there is a lot happening with the documentary sort of behind the scenes and creating the story that's going to drive the piece. It's going to take me on, you know, at least a two-year journey here, both um, – shooting the film and meeting with people and uh, working on the editing. You've got about five days left uh, as of the time of the recording of this, and, and many of our listeners will have heard this, will be listening to this after the project's over. So this time we're not here to um, encourage people to, to pledge, although if they're listening, we do always encourage them to pledge. But in this case – And also, yeah, let go me ahead. say one thing is I've learned Kickstarter, Kickstarter campaign feels like it's the campaign – but actually is only the beginning of the journey. You have to really think where the Kickstarter campaign is going because it's not the end. You're going to continue to sell the product that you've put up on Kickstarter. So Kickstarter, just before the uh, campaign ends, you need to put links to PayPal, to your website. You need to allow people to continue to be involved both on a community level but also on a financial level. You don't want to think of your Kickstarter campaign as the end. It's really just the beginning. So, so in that sense, like, yeah, go to tabletopmovie.com and you're going to then find out how you can be involved in the movie even though the Kickstarter's over. And so you bring up a valid point, and I'd like, I'd like to share that with our listening audience, and that is, if you're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign, there's something that you, um, that you probably need to be aware of and have planned out before you even go live, and that is, when the project ends, Kickstarter freezes your account. You can still do updates, but that home landing page is frozen. And so I always encourage people, and I'm encouraging you as a listener, that when you get ready to launch your Kickstarter campaign, think about what Doug just said, and that is this is the first step. So when you blast out and talk about your Kickstarter campaign, people will continue to hear about it long after the project's ended. What you need to do then is transform your page I usually recommend sometime within the last 12 hours of the project, 
transform it from a, hey, give me money to help me hit my goal to welcome to my page. Here's where you find all of the resources about this project where you can buy it, like you just said, uh, Doug, where you can go find resources about it, and you turn it into a basically a mini web page for people to collect all that information. Yes, absolutely. Because you can't change it once it's over. You can't change the video. You can't change anything. Um, yeah, when I found out about that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've got to really focus on making sure I end this campaign correctly. That's right. And I think you would wanted to talk today about what I've learned about the middle part of the campaign. Yeah, so let's talk about the middle part and give everybody a quick rundown of kind of the – I don't know if it's been a roller coaster, emotional ride, but just kind of the ups and downs of how you got to where you're at because you have funded, funded uh, more than double, almost triple. You're expected to triple – your funding goal. I just, I just, as we watched, the the numbers just jumped precipitously. I don't know who backed where, but they certainly did. Oh, you did! You um, just tripled. Just now, is three thousand dollars just dropped in while we've been talking? No, not that. Can't, it's oh my goodness! Yeah, a lot did just drop in. Yep. All right. So let's talk about what you did halfway through your because we've often talked about what you can do leading up, but you did some things in the middle. So let's talk about that. Well, I read a lot, and I think that's – I'll just reiterate that. It's so important to study. It's so important to learn about Kickstarter before you launch your campaign. I spent a month planning the Kickstarter campaign and reading up on it, and that even wasn't enough time. But, again, that was my job for four weeks before the campaign started. And then the middle of the campaign um, was what I was most worried about because I had read that uh, campaign sag in the middle. And so I thought, what can I do to prop that up? Well, the most important things about Kickstarter are always reaching out to people, connecting with bloggers, connecting with people individually. That's all going to help. And I also made the decision to go to uh, Origins. That's the game fair. And there couldn't have been a more perfect place to go. Now, at Origins, I definitely saw the slowdown in my Kickstarter campaign. Um, There weren't as many backers. I I think everyone should use KickTrack. The best thing to use with KickTrack um, is the daily data and not to focus on the money. That will actually lead you astray. You need to focus on the number of backers per day and use that as a motivational tool to help you connect with individual backers because you never know who's going to come in for a dollar or who's going to come in for two grand. So it's always about really bumping up the numbers of people you come into contact with. And if you don't have an origin to go to to collect business cards or whatever, it can all be done virtually. You can reach out to bloggers. Um, Very important is connecting with your backers. I almost have a superstition. I was like, if I don't thank a backer today, in fact, all my backers, if I don't thank my backers almost immediately after they pledge, I'm going to run into bad luck. Uh, and that has helped tremendously by responding to backers within 12 hours after they pledge. I have gotten wonderful sort of conversations back and forth. People have offered to help. Um, one of the one of the people who's uh, uh, studying interface design came to Origins with me and helped me out there. Um, another one was is is helping me reach out to all sorts of bloggers that I simply didn't have time to reach out to. So again, making contact with all of these people is what makes a Kickstarter campaign truly run. Okay. So that, that constant contact with your backers and then kind of what, what did you do at origins that you felt that it was so important to go? Because there's a lot of cons. uh, This is the season of cons for the game space. 
which is what your video, your documentary is about. Uh, so there's a lot of smaller cons that people can go to. But what was it at the con that allowed that you feel was so beneficial? Well, my primary reason for going to the con was not the Kickstarter campaign. Um, the Kickstarter campaign actually helped me financially be able to go to the con, and I, I expressed that to all the backers, that since we made our goal so quickly, I could afford to go and make that work. So what what was so important about the con was actually making the movie. I went there to interview um, designers and publishers, to follow up with designers and publishers I had been meeting at the various conventions uh, beforehand. So... The most important goal was, uh, was the movie. And in addition to that, I found my, I hope, my narrative thread, because I've always been looking for a game that I could follow basically from conception all the way through publication. And I connected with a very high-profile designer and a very up-and-coming publisher. They're doing really well. They both allowed me to sit in and watch a pitch of two alpha games. And these guys were so welcoming to me and to the camera that I think I will be able to follow the process all the way through. And for a documentary filmmaker, that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Okay. So is there anything – so but for somebody who's got, a, who's got a board game or something – you went for the documentary. Is it important for them, for their Kickstarter, to go to one of these uh, trade shows, these cons? Again, it's, uh, I, I don't know if I – yes, it's essential that you go if you're a board game designer um, to, some, to as many cons as you can sort of get to, uh, to meet people, to make contact, to collect business cards, and, of course, to playtest, playtest, playtest. I mean, most, and also to pitch, you know. And I saw – you know, I saw again another pitch. I saw a pitch from a designer, and quite honestly, he was a new designer, and his games, from what I could tell, didn't really have whatever it took, and the pitch didn't go well. And obviously, it hurt his feelings, but you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to go through the unsuccessful pitches, not only to learn about where the game isn't working, but also to learn where your pitch isn't working. That all of this stuff takes practice, and it's what I've learned through filmmaking. It's a painful process to, to put your work out there, get feedback on it, change it. You're going to get rejection. You're going to get some acceptance. Uh, but that's what I'm witnessing in the pitches, and that's why it's so important to go, to meet people, make connections. And you also meet a lot of people who have struggled with the same issues you've struggled with, and they'll be very open to talking with you. That's interesting that oftentimes when people make a pitch and the pitch doesn't work, very seldom. And this is a long experience of mine in marketing over the years. Very seldom do they feel that the pitch is flawed. They so often believe that the audience is flawed. Oh, they just didn't understand. Yeah, they're, they're, they just didn't get there it. Can be, there can be so many things the pitch doesn't work. Um, most of the time, the product just isn't good enough. Um, games, the competition is so fierce. It's absolutely fierce, and the game has to be perfect. And your next level is it is potentially it's possible that you are really not very good at pitching. And so you may have a great game, but the pitch has gone wrong. That's less likely. And what also is very common is if you have a great game, it's not right for a lot of publishers. Publishers have to find room in their schedule. They have to be able to market it. And that might be a little confusing to new designers to, to not understand how that works 
and what's going to work for a particular publisher at a particular time. So all of those things come into play. Most importantly, though, you have to really be willing to listen to find out if your game design isn't perfect. And I hate to say perfect, but ultimately, there's so much competition out there, the game really has to be, it can't have any broken mechanic. The scene has to be just really engaging, and it has to be, everybody kept saying this over and over and over again, it has to be fun. You have to sit down at the table and have a really, really intense and good time. Okay, now, you said that there were some things you did in the middle. Now, that was good for your film, but how was it good for your Kickstarter project? What things did you do or learn that now are paying off for you here late uh, in your project? Because your project is surging now as you come down to the last few days. Yeah, one of the huge surges is uh, I developed a relationship with Steve Jackson Games, and I um, talked to the president of the company, and I talked to Steve, and I was able to interview them, and I had a lot of fun with that, and I, I got to know them, and I told them what I was doing, and they started in, uh, the president of the company backed me for, you know, 150 bucks, which I thought was really nice, but I was, I had stars in my eyes, I was like, oh, maybe this guy will come in for the highest pledge level, I was like, okay, I'm a little disappointed, but you don't say, oh, someone's backing for $150, I'm sorry, you, 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 you disappointed me, you say, Thank you very much. You backed me for $150. That's great. That helps me achieve what I'm doing. Um, they thought about it for a bit. I don't know exactly what the process um, was, but then they decided that they would go in at, our, at what was then my highest pledge level um, to, become a, to become a presenter of the project with their logo on all of the updates and before the main credits of the movie. And I, I, I wrote them a nice pitch letter and explained what it what would be good for them. So that was, again, sort of a lot of luck, timing, uh, developing a relationship. And you never know what relationship is going to pay off artistically, financially, what have you. And if there's another thing I, I could say is I'm not a very good graphic designer, and I know that hurt my campaign early on. My, my campaign graphic was not really strong. Okay. I didn't choose the okay. right yeah, go ahead. Hang on. Before we switch, because we're segueing now. So, yeah, yeah. so one of the things that you did was you reached out to influence. So to, to genericize this for people who are listening, because yeah, not because yeah. Steve Jackson's not going to get his phone ringing off the hook. That's like saying, "Oh, my book's successful because I got to go on to Oprah." Well, I ain't going to do a whole lot of people a lot of good. So in your right. case, you were able to identify some key influencers in your industry, and you targeted them and went and met with them and built a relationship with them. Well, what happened was I was just interviewing them, okay. um, and and it wasn't it wasn't with the intent of getting them to back the project at any sort of. But level. you reached out. You but reached out and made some contacts that have, have started to pay off. Right, and where I think it really paid off, and this is actually why I was going into that segue that wasn't a non sequitur, <laughs> is that I took some really wonderful photos of Steve. I saw if he was up for it. I said, "We're going to go a little Andy Leibovitz here." And I had him being sort of looking pinned, crushed under his designer's edition of Ogre. Yeah, which is a lot of fun. For those who haven't been to the Kickstarter page, go to tabletop, the table, go and look for ta adventures on the tabletop, and there's Steve dead underneath his big box of Ogre. Yeah, which works on two levels, essentially. So, um, but that was a lot of fun, and I think that also helped build the relationship. I think I'm a, I, I think I'm a very good photographer, but I, I stink at graphic design. So 
I got a friend to help me with the graphic design, which I think drives the page a lot better, and starting to put what I consider strong photographs up also help keep the page running. What do you identify as a filmmaker? What do you, what do you, what did you do before and what, what, what was done after that makes it go from just okay to strong and good? Um, well, uh, my friend Randy Hoyt is a graphic designer and he's actually working on a game called Turnpike. Now, Turnpike in its, in its form that I play tested it totally didn't work. It was a disaster. However, the, the idea of it was really strong. So I'm hoping to help him develop it. The thing is, he just doesn't have the back. His background is graphics. You know, my background is photographs and movies. So you have to really play to your strengths. And he was able to update my graphics for the cover image, which was great. And I would recommend that anyone who is starting a Kickstarter campaign do that before the campaign starts. Get a really, really, really strong graphic designer to do your cover your cover image. It's crucial. And um, that's the most important thing. And then I've added some fun photos and things. Uh, you pointed out Steve on the, on the, on the front page um, of Jolly Blackburn, who, who writes uh, Nights at the Dinner Table. And I've got some other things. Uh, Adam and Chris from Greater Than Games, they do Sentinels of the Multiverse. I did some fun photos with them as well. Because I think it really shows my love of the designers and, and my ability to be creative and fun with them. Yeah, you had some. There is some fun. There's a lot, a lot of fun there. All right. So uh, what else? We've only got a couple more minutes here. Uh, what other okay. um, gems of wisdom would you pass on to a Kickstarter project owner who's kind of in the middle of their project, saying, uh, "I don't know if it's going to fund. We're just uh, we're kind of in that dead period." What do you tell them? You just it's a job. It's a full time job. You have to continue. You know, I said in the last podcast, you've got to do your research. You need to go on blogs. You need to listen to this podcast, which is good if you're doing so. You can do the research to find out what makes campaigns work really well. Uh, one of the things I've done, again, is, is what I guess they call in the business, upselling. I'm trying to I contact my, buy, my, my backers and say, hey, you've backed at the digital level. Why don't you really consider what you get for the Blu-ray level? Or I contact the designers and say, hey, you've backed at such and such a level, but look what you're going to get at the next levels up. And I, I really think that as the campaign gains momentum, those levels gain a lot more value. So it's a matter of, again, planning your campaign from the beginning to have the right kind of levels that people will maybe back at a dollar, which I, I think that we talked about in the last yep. episode, that a dollar reward level of real value is important. So maybe they come in for the $15 digital download, which, again, I set low on purpose. But then they will be encouraged as the campaign gains momentum to pledge at a higher level. So that's something that's been really important to me. And, again, it's about focusing on the backers and the people reaching out to bloggers. It's all of those sort of the web of social connections that are going to really make a campaign not only fun, but thrive through the through the end game, and, and then again beyond the Kickstarter campaign. Well, you bring up a valid point, and we uh, we might have to end on this, and that is the, the, this idea. I saw it best done with Seth Godin, a marketing uh, author who was on the show in his Kickstarter campaign. He literally just called it out. This 
level is the best value. I recommend you pledge at this level. And he called it out in his written. He called it out in his video. And it sounds like that's kind of what, in some ways, what you're doing is rewarding, not rewarding, excuse me, educating your backers that, hey, here is, there's greater value if you look at, the, at this. Thank you for backing at this lower level, but, you know, you, here's the, the great value you get at a higher level. Right. And, and as I am looking at this, I'm checking my dashboard because, as you pointed out, that new level I just added, which was a $5,000 executive producer level, which I thought, well, if I'm lucky, it's going to go at the very end of the campaign, but it'll probably just sit there and I'll delete it so nobody actually knows I had it. Um, but, no, someone someone went up from the $2,500 reward to the $5,000 reward. Which is so another thing I always recommend. Find your backers. I'm talking to my audience now. You're listening to this. Uh, Doug's given us some great advice here as, as we've been discussing it. But listen, your backers want to see you succeed. Give them an opportunity to participate at higher levels than you're comfortable with. And that's what I always say. Just give them an opportunity of helping. Uh, I think Amanda Palmer with her TED Talk did the best way of saying, it's a way of saying thank you. Let them find a way to say thank you. And some of them want to say thank you at a higher number than what you're comfortable with. And you just got to get comfortable with that. So. Yeah, I agree because people want to support the project and they're, you know, movies that have been funded. It's like, oh, you could have gone and see this movie for, you know, 15 bucks or whatever it will be by the time the movie comes out. But they would rather back it for more money, even if the, the rewards are not super great, but they really want to be involved and help the project out monetarily. So that's where you, where you sort of make that transition from, uh, from just, here I'm getting a product, but here I'm being a true fan and, and supporting at a level I'm comfortable with. And people are anxious to do that. Doug, this has been great. Thank you very much for coming back. Congratulations on the success. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. My guest has been Doug Morse, whose project Adventures in Tabletop uh, Adventures on the Tabletop, excuse me, is a Kickstarter project that is a documentary of board game design. Uh, as of the recording of this episode, it is five days left and uh, has surpassed its goal quite nicely. And we're, uh, we're excited to see that and the project as it comes out. Hopefully you've heard something here inspiring. I know that uh, Doug's given us some great advice and it's always great to talk to, uh, to somebody who's passionate about their project. I'm looking forward to seeing you with your project out on Kickstarter so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.